We're recording, so whenever you are ready. It has been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've all been in the same room podcasting. Yeah, man. Been a long time. I know. Crazy uh, couple of years. Yeah. But um, due to popular demand, <laughs> we're back. We're back in studio. It feels good. We um we probably could have done podcasts over the whole time, but it was we did a, a couple like via Zoom, and yeah. it just didn't have the same feel. And it it's wasn't just fun. It's nah, not the same. Yeah, nah. but it's good to see you guys. Yeah. How old you have you grown like two foot in the last two years? Yeah, but only sideways. Hell's got abs now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> I don't know. Finally, getting a man's body. <laughs> Fourteen now. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've um, we're, we're going to take a look at the topic today of should I train to failure? Um, and it's a bit of a contentious topic. It's um, some people think no, some people think yes. Uh, it is dependent on a number of factors. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even know what training to failure actually means. You know? No, what tell us what it mean? means. Well, it means tra- training until you you fail until you can't <laughs> do anymore. So. So there, there are yeah a number of uh, a number of sort of things to look at when when training to failure. I think um, you take a look at what what your goal is, whether you are training for a sport, um, whether you are just training to gain size or training to lose weight. I think it's important. You guys come from like well we all do. We come from sporting backgrounds. When you train, Hal, uh, do you have more of a bodybuilding style program, or are you training? Sp- specifically for basketball both basketball outside of the gym but in the gym unless i'm doing legs and specifically plyo it's still mostly bodybuilding style exercises yeah. so chest press squatting shoulder press etc yeah. so now you're about to actually well, we've got big news coming soon for masashi on sports specific programs but and you're about to kick into a sports specific basketball program i am I think for for athletes, like when when it comes to a sport, when you're playing a game on the weekend or midweek or whatever, I'm not a fan of of training to failure because I think you're... you're Well, you know, it always comes back to the goals, right? Whatever you're trying to achieve, training to failure can have, you know, a role to play. If you're trying to grow muscles, that's probably the main part where training to failure can have a benefit. What do you think is the most appropriate context to train to failure then? Well... Let me give you an example, right? So the most appropriate context for training to failure is most guys that enter a gym will train to failure in the first, f- you know, first few days in the gym, or you know, probably even the first year they'll just keep smashing it out. Most young guys do this; it's just like natural, right? You know, and it's every set and yeah. it's every exercise. Exactly. So personally, I never tra- train to failure anymore. Yeah, coming from yeah. a powerlifting background. Um, you, uh, it depends what, what sort of part of the program you're up to, but you're rarely training to failure in a, in a powerlifting yeah. program. Okay, I'll, I'll give you a quiz. Um, oh, I don't know. About right. like quiz. Is it multiple choice? Or? What, what do you think um, gives the most type of, um, induces the most fatigue on your body, right? Training with very heavy loads, training with moderate loads, training with light loads, or training with very light loads? Very light and super high rep. I think it depends on the rep range and, and what your body's accustomed to. That's probably not there. Surely you can assume if you're doing high weight, you're doing lower reps. And if you're doing low weight, you're doing high reps. So on that assumption, I definitely okay. go the lighter. The lighter assume the, the, I, the I training would, volume is, is similar. Our training volume is similar. Yep. What would put the most stress on you? I, I would say heavier weight. Contrary to popular belief, it's actually the very light weights that induce the greatest amount of fatigue over um, moderate weights and light weights. Heavyweights do, um, you know, induce a, a large part of fatigue as well. But so lighter weights 
are creating more fatigue than sort of medium. Yeah, with exactly. the same amount of reps. With the same amount of reps and volume. Well, not the same amount of reps. Obviously, you're doing oh. a lot more reps, right? I'm, <laughs> that's ta- that's I'm talking about... You let us down the wrong track. Well, I didn't say reps. I said volume, right? So, like, you know, your total training volume of, like, the total amount that you... you I would training. agree with that then. Yeah. So because generally, when you're lifting lighter weights, you're doing a higher volume, um, you're doing more reps, and, and that would put more fatigue, more fatigue on, on the joints, more fatigue on that, the muscles. And, and, and more, more fatigue on your, on your central nervous system and your, um, as well. So, yeah. you know, w- what happens when you're training with light weights um, generally is your, your muscles get full with these, you know, metabolic products like calcium ions and things. And then um, this failure to contraction actually induces like a, a much larger, you know, type of fatigue. Whereas, you know, if you're training with pretty heavy weights, um, Generally, your 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 form is gonna um, break down before you you're gonna get to that stage. You know? Yeah, I think most people listening are gonna go, well, how does this apply to me? So let's talk like team sport. Mm-hmm. And you're playing. You could probably break team sport training down into off season, pre season, during season. So off season, let's talk specifically off season, training to failure. Yeah, well, see, a lot, a lot of people do, um, you know, a lot of strength training and, and things in the off-season. So, um, you know, typically it's good to have a, a good structured program that you're not uh, over-fatiguing yourself because, you know, you don't want to spend too much time recovering. You want to you get this fine balance of getting the right amount of training stimulus, but also, you know, allowing your body to, to recover enough to continue um, training efficiently throughout the week. Yeah, and look, I'd say... In the off season, that's when that's when sports people are probably doing their least amount of sports specific activity. Um, they're generally not. If, let's take basketball for an example. They might be shooting hoops socially in the off season, but they're focusing on strength and the, their power and, uh, and general fitness. General fitness. So I think off season. I think it is generally safe to to go to failure a, a bit, and especially if you're trying to put on put on size. Yeah. You know, um, if hypertrophy is your goal, right, P- building muscle, that's where training to failure is better than not training to failure, right? You know, um, it, and that's why you see bodybuilders doing that because they they can handle that kind of fatigue. They don't really have those, you know, performance requirements that other athletes do have. Yeah, and Hal makes a good point. Like, what what is failure? Failure is the p- to the point where you cannot do one more rep. So if you've got one to two more reps in in the bank. That's not training to failure. Yeah, and I, I generally pull up one to two reps short um, on everything. Only <laughs> where's your mind? Going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you smiling at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. I couldn't even think of anything dirty to be honest. Because when I, I feel like when I am pushing it to that point of failure on every single set, I might use one exercise where I go to failure, and the Agreed. rest are sort of um, I'm yeah. pulling up sort of yeah maybe two to three reps it's, short. It's almost nice to do that on a compound set to begin with, and everything else is almost supplementary. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you are going to that point of failure time and time again, set after set, and then you're trying to back up and play basketball on the weekend or a night or whatever, it it, it's yeah. you're not going to perform at your best for your sport. You're not only going to affect your performance in your recovery, you're also going to increase your risk of injury, right? If you're training under, um, you know, this fatigue conditions, you're much more likely to have poor form and to create an injury or, you know, an injury creating environment. Would you say if you're training to failure, it's better to do so at the end of a set with lower weight so you can actually focus more on form 
and you know how you can do like a, just a drop set in general, I guess. Yeah, the old burner set at the end. Yeah. You know, there, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that in general. But, you know, if you're doing a large amount of, of um, sets until failure, it's it's going to impact your, your overall training. Right? Mm. And that's where I think the importance of like a periodized program comes into play. Mm -hmm. Like you, you need to have a specific goal uh, and you need to be working to that goal within that block of training period. Yeah. So it could be off uh, off season. You're looking to put on size pre season. You might start working on power and explosivity, and then during the season might be more agility and conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that you're working to specific goals with specific purposes, and 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 at certain points within those programs, you might incorporate some training to fatigue, but yeah. less so, sort of pre season and during season. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like training to failure when you're incorporating cardio as well. So if you do a regular, I don't know, bodybuilding style session and then finishing on the bike on the rowing machine, I really like training to failure in that sense. So you go home just exhausted. Yeah, well, training to and that's a good point that you bring up. I think training to failure uh, when you're looking at conditioning is very different to training to failure when you're looking at resistance training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, you know, resistance training is it's kind of easy to measure, easy to track, and. On your point of programming, it, it is pretty important, right? So, you know, I'll give you an example. Say you try and do 10 reps on the bench press um, and like 10 is your absolute max, right? You're not really going to be able to, to bench that much for the rest of the week. Uh, well, at least the next few days, right? So, you know, maybe later in the week you might be able to do 10 again. Um, but in general, your, you know, your recovery is going to be um, more, uh, you're going to need more recovery, more, um, mm. you know, you're going to suffer more fatigue. Yeah, and I think look, if you're pure, if you're listening to this and you're sort of just purely a, a gym rat bodybuilder who wants to put on size, I think that's where the split program came into play, yeah. where you're focusing on certain muscle groups on on a on a day, so that you can sort of really fatigue that muscle group because you might not hit it again for another four, five, seven days. Mm -hmm. So it it does allow you to go a bit more to failure than a normal sort of full body program that you might be hitting multiple times a week. Well, well, if you have a well-designed program, you know, instead of training to failure on, on that one day and not being able to train correctly for the rest of the week, you know, maybe you do five sets of five on that day and you do five sets of five uh, later in the week. Mm -hmm. You know, if you c comparing that, say you do, okay, uh, um, whatever, t um, two sets of 10 till failure versus, you know, five sets of five, that's 25 reps versus 20 reps. But then, you know, you actually, if you're able to do it twice a week, you're doing 50 reps, right? So, you know, at the end of the year, you're doing twice as many reps without that same, um, you know, com compromisation of your, of your performance. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. If you, if you do have a, a structured program that allows you to get the same volume, but maybe having more rest in between sets, there's more sets but less reps. So you're, you're not taking every set to failure, but you might be doing more sets in total. So the volume sort of evens out. That can, that can work as well. There's different methods. A lot of this is like really hard to figure out for yourself, right? And there's conflicting sort of research and, and inf information everywhere. I, I just want to announce like quickly, we, we have taken a lot of this um, thought process and research out of it for the listeners. In March, I think, believe middle of March, we're actually releasing sports-specific programs across seven different sports. And, and each program will be phased off-season, pre-season, during-season. And we'll also have matching nutrition programs for each of those sports for off-season, during-season, um, pre-season. We'll yeah, be going to huge. them a bit deeper in the next episode. We'll be introducing um, one of our new ambassadors as well, Coach Tom. Yeah, we've brought on board a, a coach, a strength and conditioning coach, accredited coach. He's also a, an accredited nutritionist. Um, 
So we'll be working with him to develop all of these programs. Um, we'll, we're having sort of video instructional, so it takes the, everything, all the thought out of it for you guys. Yeah, Coach, Coach Tom's good. <laughs> Coach Tom's good. And we've also brought on board a – or we've been working with um, a sports dietitian for a number of years, Gwen, who works, has worked with a number of um, high-level athletes, uh, and so has Coach Tom. And she's written all the um, the nutrition programs, so we're pretty excited to bring that to you guys and take all the thought out of it for you. Yeah. What back to back to sort of COVID training? How did it affect your training? Um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, uh, I've, I've got you sent us a few kettlebell workouts that you were doing at home. Yeah, pretty good at my kettlebell party tricks now. So um, <laughs> also been trying to do a little bit of calisthenics. Uh, oh, nice. Trying to get these uh, planche push-ups. Has it changed your training or the way you're looking at your training? Well, um, you know, kind of aligned with, um, you know, the, the tapering off of my powerlifting. <laughs> so that's it for you? No more powerlifting comps for now? Uh, I'm powerlifter till I die. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, there's not really many comps on at the moment or anything. So yeah. I've just been, uh, just been mixing it up a bit, which is kind of uh, refreshing. Yeah, so a bit of powerlifting, a bit of kettlebell stuff, a bit yeah. of calisthenics, a bit of sprinting. Yeah. You're a bit oh, of an all-rounder. Always, always sprinting. You're like an athlete these days, like an all-round athlete. He's an athlete. Train like an athlete. What about you? How? What? Um. What? What changed over COVID time? You just didn't train at all. You just just put on sat at home. No. <laughs> I no. I um. Well, I started doing intermittent fasting, which I really enjoyed, and I switched up pretty much all my bodybuilder style exercising for bodyweight stuff. So mostly chin-ups, push-ups, etc., and then doing a form of sprinting two or three times a week. And are you back in the gym now? I'm back in the gym now. I've applied a lot of that plyometric training to my, to my, yeah, to my training program, except for maybe upper body stuff. Yep. Although I'm doing a hell of a lot more chin ups and pull ups. Yeah. Yeah. Sprinting in general, just fell back in love with that again. And it's, it's like, it's shown some results on the basketball court as well. I feel a lot fitter. Yeah. Nice. And, um, both of you do, when you had time off, how how was the first session back in the gym? Were you guys feeling weak, or you you a lot of what you were doing transferred and it was fine? The first session was okay. The couple of days after that were a bit rough. Really? Yes, I what, agree. Was that from a recovery perspective? Yeah. Yeah. You so know, just you're just not adapted to it, not conditioned to it. So yeah, sore. Oh my god, my chest. Like when you're showering and trying to get under the pits. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. 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 So sore. What about you? Well, so, I'm survived gonna, without jujitsu. Well, I'm. Yeah. yeah there was a, well, there may have been a, a few sneaky jujitsu sessions. That's for sure. But for me. It wasn't as applicable. I've got the the home garage yeah. gym so set up. So, oh, yeah. that looks, yeah. but um, but I've been doing like traditionally. I, I sort of come from that bodybuilding background. Who mm-hmm. moved into sports, and a lot of my programming has been bodybuilding based. Mm-hmm. But now I'm 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 starting to incorporate a lot more sports specific stuff for jujitsu. Yeah. But I, I encourage everyone to sort of to to trial um, different methods of training. Again, check out our programs when they come out in March and. You don't always have to train to failure. Yeah, and even sprints that you mentioned, Hal, that's a good example. You know, if imagine sprinting to failure. Like, just imagine what your recovery would Man, be like. You get, you get hurt almost every time. Exactly. So, you know, if you're sprinting 50 meters at a time, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's probably the easiest way to visualize the impact of training to failure on your exactly. performance, you know? It's yeah. much better doing, like, a few slow laps after and then going that until you really can't go any further. Yeah, and then, you know, there's also this um, awesome life hack that's come out uh for the gym it's not really a life hack but uh it's called auto regulation right you know rpe rate of perceived exertion so um there's some programs which uh, include that rather than you know saying doing three sets of 10 or whatever and my favorite um auto regulation is um reps in reserve right you can measure in your head Mm. it's probably the easiest way to measure how many reps you have in reserve so instead of saying 
do three sets of eight, do three sets with two reps in reserve, right? So um, you know you, you can generally make that call every set, and that's probably a good way to make, ensure that you're not training to failure. Yeah, I would encourage more people do not train to failure. Yeah, um, and if you are, make sure your nutrition and recovery methods are on point. I agree. Yeah. Anything else to add before we jump off? Nice quick one today to, to intro back into uh, into our podcast world. Yeah, we don't want to do the podcast of failure today, so we're just, <laughs> <laughs> just easing it. <laughs> I like the way you tied that back in. Nice. Even better than your Miyamoto Masashi quotes. Oh, I don't even have a Masashi <laughs> quote. We don't um, have time for one anyway. Really, for today. But um, Everyone stay uh, jump on Masashi.com for more sort of training and nutrition advice. Stay tuned. In March, we'll be releasing all those sports-specific programs and... Um, and uh, thanks for listening and welcome back to Masashi Podcast. That's it. Masashi out. See you guys. <laughs>